the impudence, the audacity, the unmitigated gall of those knuckleheads of liberty podcasters daring to voice opinions outside the mainstream of accepted thought. Listen, if you dare, it's angry, it's funny, it's even sometimes sad, but it's always based on freedom and justice, as you will see. Here's our host, Jason McPhee. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty. We are coming at you on October 24th, 2022. Scary time of the year. Uh, Not Halloween, but uh, because it's election season and uh, boy, I tell you, it's uh, uh, the the scary things we see happening. (laughs) This is every day is one day farther into the Biden abyss. But, uh, you know, maybe we can do something about that this time. Um, But what we're going to talk about this time is maybe how we can make this time of the year a little less scary. And that's with uh, uh, issues of voter fraud and maybe how we can get a little bit of voter integrity back in there. Um, so, but before we get into that, let me introduce you to our panel. In our upper left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in liberty. He is a retired engineer in the state of California. In our lower right-hand corner, we have our screaming eagle of freedom, Tim Everett. He is a pilot in the state of California. In our upper right-hand corner today, we have a special guest, Jacqueline Timmer. Uh, she is... <laughs> well, she is a director, the director and founder of the American Voters Alliance, and they uh, specialize in looking into issues of uh, voter fraud and election integrity. So it's perfect timing. Um, so I, I guess the let's jump right into it. The very first thing we think about with voter integrity and election fraud is voter ID. That's sort of been a hot topic in the news uh, quite a bit. And uh, it's funny. It's funny, right? How funny that that's now a hot topic of conversation in our day and age. I mean, it's right along with like Lizzo's wardrobe, but you know, these things are the hot topics right now. Well, it's funny, you know, conservatives think it's a hot topic and I suppose most libertarians probably think it's a hot topic too. Uh, Democrats don't think it's a hot topic. In fact, they think it's kind of racist (laughs) to bring up voter ID. I'm not sure why, but, but, you know, to to sort of uh, illustrate that, let's, uh, James, maybe could bring up the map here. So this is uh, Ballotpedia has a map of all the states that have voter ID laws. And so if you look here, the states that are in blue are the states that have voter ID laws. So maybe they should be red because they tend to be uh, a lot of them tend to be Republican states. So you have, you know, clearly Texas, Florida, some of these deep South states. Um, now, oddly, you do have some oddballs like Washington. They, they kind of go blue on some of these elections, but you can kind of see how this trace is over. Well, I, I guess well, before I get to that, uh, the gray uh, bars, those are the ones that don't have ID requirements and the yellow uh, states, those are the ones that have ID, but it's non-photo uh, ID requirements. So if we look how that overlays into an electoral map, you can kind of see that it it sort of shows that a lot of the blue states are the ones that essentially don't don't care about you know, uh, having voter ID or they think it's racist and the, uh, the states that want that voter ID, they tend to be Republican states as shown by the, le- the last, the 2020 electoral map. Um, so anyways, uh, racist, not racist, uh, is this, uh, conservatives right or wrong on this one? What do you guys think? Well, kind of going back to my earlier comment, I, I it's astounding to me that this is a topic of heated debate. Because, and, and it's similar to the border conversation, right? Because you can't be a nation 
You can't be a country without having citizens and non-citizens. But, but that really goes into what is the far left's agenda right now? It is a one-party system. It is a globalist economy, a globalist governance. And so we really have to look at what are the underlying issues and philosophies that are informing the fact that this has suddenly become such a topic of debate where historically this never would have been a question. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know this whole voter ID um, discussion, already, I personally, I find offensive if you want the truth. Because you were telling me I could just walk down the street and somebody could just look at me and say, you know, I know more than likely you don't have any sort of ID, any sort of government-issued ID, just because of the color of my skin. Now, if that is not racism, then I don't know what the hell is. So this whole discussion I find so offensive, but this is what the left does. They have all of these presumptions, all of these presumptions, or they go to court and they say, oh, minorities are probably... Um, most unlikely to have ID. So that's why we have to have these laws to protect them. Protect them from what? What to protect them from? You know what I need protection from? I need protection from the Democrats and the leftist agenda. That's what I need protection from. Okay? I don't need these people to look out for me. I really don't. So I truly find this discussion, these debates that we are seeing about voter ID and all these sort of things, I find it so offensive that they wouldn't believe. Leon, it sounds well, like we are mean, looking at it because uh, everybody knows that these voter, uh, these uh, government issued IDs are so difficult to come by, and that they are that 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 uh, acquisition of these is is, is uh, so far beyond the capability of the average black person. I mean, well, don't because you know the institution is so now? systemically racist, they only give mm -hmm. them yes. to white individuals. Of yeah. course, of course. And, and what is what is only thing is that that I am so stupid. Listen to what they're saying. So I am so stupid. Yeah. I can't yes. even figure out how to get how to get to the the DMV to get a free ID. I'm that stupid. That is what they are saying. And yeah, then on top exactly. of that, you know, most of the most <clears throat> most people who have had teenage children know uh, a 15 and 16 year old kid know how to get a fake ID to get in the club on Saturday and yeah. Friday and Saturday yeah. night. Everybody knows that. But you know what? Their parents, their adult parents, are too stupid to go, to figure out how to get a real one. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. For, for free. For free, too. Thank you. For free. I, Leon, I didn't know all those clubs were so racist requiring ID, too, to prove that you're <laughs> to get in. <laughs> And yet they all want to go there. I, I don't understand. <laughs> yes, I don't get it either. I don't get it either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, talk about systemic. I mean, here it is. There's a law against drinking uh, when, if you're under the age of uh, whatever it might be in that state, probably 21 or so. And so uh, to enforce the law, just like Jacqueline mentioned about the uh, border, to, to enforce your laws uh, related to securing your border and, and all the other ancillary laws that that's, uh, come, come from that, um, your, um, your, your whole law of, of requiring an ID to go into a club is just right in the same ballpark. Yeah. yeah. It, it is interesting that Jacqueline brought up, uh, you know, the idea of borders and, and uh, you know, essentially the legitimacy of a nation and such, um, because that's yeah. that's a, a part of the issue here around voter IDs, I guess. And maybe, James, maybe we could get the uh, uh, visual back up for this one, um, because uh, yeah, I guess there are issues where, you know, both 
legal and illegal, uh, there's issues with uh, uh, migrants voting in some jurisdictions. So in Colorado, uh, recently they had an issue where uh, 30,000 mailers went out to non-citizens, I guess, encouraging them to register to vote. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, now apparently they're they're saying it was a mistake and they shouldn't have done it. uh, But it's also one of those states that doesn't have strict uh, um, photo ID uh, uh, reg- or voter ID uh, laws, I guess, as far as uh, going to the uh, to the polls. So, um, so that's that's one issue there. You know, where there could just be issues of people who shouldn't be voting or voting. But you know, another issue this brings up, and this is kind of a, a I guess, a more tricky issue. But there's a lot of localities that are also allowing. Um, non-citizens to vote, but it's only for the local elections in those places. And so that one's maybe a little bit of a trickier issue because it's not necessarily that somebody's doing something illegal, but it's just an issue of some places, I guess, finding a value in allowing people who aren't citizens to vote in, in uh, those jurisdictions for just local things. Uh, so what do you guys think about this? Is this, uh, um, you know, sort of a mixed issue here, but uh, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole migrants and voting and illegal voting and such? Well, personally, oh, go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Per- personally, <laughs> if they're not citizens, I don't care if it's a local election. I, I don't care if it's for dog catcher. It's it, they should not be allowed to vote. I, it's it's just not not part of the program. That's my opinion. I, I agree with Tim on that. And I'm sorry, I've got background noise here. I've got a dog that's at my feet. I've got construction in the house. we got all the things going, um, like to multitask here. But I, I agree with Tim, but I also do think that these are two separate issues. And I want to pick at your language a little bit, Jason, because you use the term migrant, um, which, which is an appropriate term. However, it is now the politically correct term along with dreamer. Yeah. And, and back in the day, you know, uh, even a few years ago, we had the term illegal alien. And now yes. we don't. Yes. And and what we fail to understand as a nation, and this is happening culturally as a whole, is we are moving away from distinctions because we are saying that that is discrimination and it is derogatory. And, and at the same time, and this comes from Victor Davis Hansen's book, The Dying Citizen, he talks about the increase in tribalism as we are more and more identifying with racial and cultural niches rather than being American and the pride of being American and understanding the value that this nation really has and has brought to uh, to the world and to history. And so with that, as we move away from the distinction between what is illegal immigration and what is legal immigration, we blur the lines of, of actually what citizenship is. This is not um, a discriminatory practice. Well, <laughs> let me clarify that. Discrimination... Yeah. Discrimination is proper in the right context because it is judging a distinction, not creating a disenfranchisement based on um, a derogatory sense towards the other person. And so we have to understand that as well. And that gets a little muddy just depending on who you're talking to. But, But we do have to understand these distinctions in order to be able to deal with the issues legally because we have to protect our nation if we're not going to move towards a one government a one world government. And we don't want to go there. That hasn't worked well in the course of history. It's been it's been pretty nasty, um, typically ends in genocide. But what we're looking at here when it comes to immigrants, legal immigrants versus illegal immigrants, 
is is a scary thing. So we have this mass influx at the border. We have a lot of red states along the border. And now we have this influx of a population that is known to vote Democrat. Um, again, Biden's policies tend to align when it advocates for a one-party system, which is um, the deep progressive neo-Marxist Democrat agenda. And then you also have this question of the local municipalities who are allowing non-citizen voters. And they're saying, well, this is a huge part of our culture in the city or this municipality. I agree with Tim. I think we are a nation. We are a nation of laws. And you need to be a citizen in order to have the right to vote and to participate in the governance. And I, I want to highlight one thing here, because one of the arguments that has come up in this regard is, well, no taxation without representation. I, I've been hearing this from the DC folks. Um, I wonder if they've even read our constitution or the Declaration of Independence, but they, they feel fine um, putting this on their license plate and saying, well, no taxation without representation. Um, you hear this a lot when it comes to the immigrant and migrant discussion. I'm sorry, I know this is a lengthy monologue here, but I do wanna read this, this excerpt from the Declaration of Independence because it really puts things in context for us. Um, so when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected it with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind require that we should declare the causes from um, which impel them to the separation. I'm going to go on here in just a second. But essentially, our founders explained the context for their separation from an unjust government. This was not them saying, we assume authority in a nation in which we have not positioned ourselves underneath the authority or the laws, and therefore we want, we want to engage. It's the complete opposite. It's the turning on its head. And the left does this all the time. And they take they take things out of context. And so now they're holding on to, well, no taxation without representation, but they don't hold on to, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And it, they separate, they fragment, and then they universalize a contextualized statement out of its context. It's completely false. And it is, it is disenfranchisement to the American people. You know, if we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have rules about who is or is not a citizen. We have rules about that. The Biden administration right now have opened up the southern border and people are just crossing the border in droves. And then all of a sudden, everybody is pretending, at least some on the left is pretending to be so surprised of the kind of numbers we see in crossing the border. But you just said something, um, Jacqueline, is again, go back to a racist presumption. Okay, that racist presumption is these people who are crossing the border, they're brown people and brown people have to be Democrats. Another racist presumption, just like we were talking about with the voter ID. Oh, this poor yeah. black man, he cannot have a government issued ID, poor guy. So we have to protect him. Now the Democrats are looking for votes. So they open up the border, let people cross the border. And of course, in 10, 15 years, these people going to be a bit of vote or whatever it is. I don't know what the time frame is on that. But they're going to be Democrats. This is the racist presumption that is driving that policy right now. And that, well, you see this with Lyndon B. Johnson, historically. Of course. He, he, his policies were to bring the Black population back to the Democrat Party by putting them on the welfare state 
And then he sent out government workers to encourage family units to break apart break so they would be put on the welfare system. Exactly. This, they you know, slavery, slavery and Jim Crow, slavery and Jim Crow did not break up their black family, you know. It no, was Lyndon Johnson no. and the wealthiest state. The black family was so strong, yes. so strong until those policies. And and the leftist agenda, the leftist policies require a welfare class. So how are they going to create that welfare class? Because it requires it. And they're trying to get everybody on the welfare state. I mean, that really is where these policies go because it is a Marxist agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, to go back to your point of no taxation without representation as well, you know, we do have issues where, you know, people import goods to this country all the time, and there are taxes on those goods that people pay in order to bring those goods in. And I mean, certainly there's there's taxation in that sense on the importer without representation, I guess. So, so I mean, yeah. we certainly have models of this all the time. And as long as it's voluntary, Sales tax. person... Yeah, 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 sure. You, I mean, as long as the a, Ger a German tourist uh, on uh, vacation in July is yeah. going to have to pay sales tax when they go buy stuff at the store. Should they, he get to vote they, now? <laughs> should they get to vote? Should they get to vote for that increase yeah. in sales tax? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a. You're right. Yeah. Examples of of this thing. Yeah, but I, every I th country, every country. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think the big issue is that, for libertarians at least, is that we don't restrict people being able to engage with people from other places, whether they, you know, come over here or whether they stay in their own country. Either way, we, we just won't, don't want to restrict the engagement. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you want to allow somebody to vote before they become a citizen. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, Jason, I want to put a point, okay? I want to put a point. I am I am fully with you about engaging with people across borders, okay? But there should be rules by which we do so. I think part of liberty, the part of liberty is the rule of law. And what is happening right now on our southern border have nothing to do with law. Nothing. It's the tolerance of lawlessness that we see in, in our society right now. And that's a real, real problem. And at the southern border, it has been an invitation to the cartel. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Terrorists are coming across the border. They are they are renting children to track to cross the border because yes. border laws currently favor families, and so kids don't actually get the benefit of it because they are rented to cross the border and then they're shipped back. Yeah, and it happens again and again. And think about the abuse that happens during that time frame because these are not caring families. Yeah. It's it's absolute insanity. Yeah. It is creating a humanitarian crisis in the name of, again, this political mercy, this political benevolence that the left is so proud of when it actually creates crises for, for the people that it claims to protect. And then it manipulates that population to be the front and poster child of its voice so that it can promote insane ideologies. Well, and perhaps we wouldn't even have a uh, migration crisis if we didn't have a drug war, but that is a complete digression that's going to take us way off track for voter integrity. <laughs> the whole bit. And, and that kind of goes to this, right? Because you look at voter integrity, it is a microcosm. Just like each of these issues are a microcosm, it's a microcosm expression of a larger philosophy or ideology that is perpetrating the American stage. And we have to understand how these ideas connect, where they come from, if we're actually going to do anything about it. Yeah.
You know, many of and many of these uh, uh, local jurisdictions, they are allowing, supposedly legally allowing, um, non-citizens to vote. New York City was trying right. to do that. Um, there's a city in Vermont, I don't remember which one it was, was also allowing um, non-citizens to vote. San Francisco was allowing that to happen in local, in local elections also. But I think those things are unconstitutional. I really do. And yeah. I, I'm sure they're probably going to be tested in court sooner or later. Mm. But I do not think a non-citizen vote in the United States is constitutional. I am I'm sure about that. Mm. Well, it, it certainly does kind of muddy the waters. But speaking of muddy waters, let's go to Pennsylvania, <laughs> where, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions back in 2022. Jane, maybe we could get this up about voter, potential voter fraud uh, during uh, uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. During during 2020, yeah. uh, the election between uh, Trump and uh, Biden. And there, there was a big question about a few swing states and Pennsylvania was one of them where this was uh, an issue of potential voter fraud that happened. And of course, we were told that there couldn't possibly be voter fraud. We've never seen any evidence of this. And yet here we are in 2022, seeing a Democrat representative being uh, uh, sentenced to, I, I believe it's around six years in jail uh, for, uh, I guess, uh, let's see, what does it say? He he uh, stuffed uh, uh, or he padded voter tallies, I guess, uh, for. Uh, he paid uh, clerks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, so he, he paid clerks, and apparently this wasn't the first time either. So I guess he'd, uh, yeah. he'd been, <laughs> done this previously. He had had some issues with this as well. So, I, I, you know, clearly this stuff is happening, and there's some issues. And, you know, just to show you, it's not just uh, uh, NBC or whoever is saying it, but, I mean, this is, uh, you know, a legit uh, case that just happened. And um, But, you know, th th this does bring back, you know, the issue that, uh, you know, Republicans were claiming that there was issues in Pennsylvania back in 2020. And a lot of those issues went away. And some were just issues, too, of maybe things were done improperly. And then there becomes questions, too. Uh, you know, sh should we throw out a person's vote as well if something is done improperly? Because then there's an issue of disenfranchisement possibly there, too. I don't know. But let's uh, throw this up to you guys to talk about it. Clearly, this is an issue uh where we're seeing some fraud in areas that were hot topics in 2020. You know, the, the Democrats are very skillful at this, okay? I mean, I, I don't mean to pick on them, but, it, uh, but it's also true. And you raise that, that point about disenfranchisement. You see, if you have fraud in an election, if you do, it's very difficult for the courts to accept that claim of fraud because if they do accept the claim of fraud, they not only will have to throw out the legal votes, the, the, um, the illegal votes, they'll have to throw out the legal votes that came with it. And then that raises all sorts of constitutional issues of whether you could punish a citizen by throwing out a legal vote. Can you punish a citizen when he or she had no part in the, in the, in the fraud that is, that is being claimed? So it raises all sorts, of, all sorts of constitutional problems if that could be done. So this is why it's, this is why and, and this is what the Democrats know very well. It's very, very difficult to prove fraud in some of these cases to at least get a legal standard that will cross the threshold that will make a judge or court decide to throw the votes out if, if, if the fraud, even if the fraud is recognized. And this, is, this, is, this has been a real, real problem. I think they have been, in terms of you know, requiring um, elections to be done over 
and that kind of stuff. I think that might only happen like two, three or four times in our history, if I'm not mistaken. I might be, maybe Jacqueline can correct me on that. But it's a very difficult thing to get done. That even when there is fraud, even when it's, it's when when it's recognized, it's very difficult to have those votes thrown out and then have the, re the election done over. I mean, it's it's it's, it's really an incredible thing. Yeah, the, I love how you addressed kind of the role of the courts and and how when they are hearing an election case, the the pressure that comes on that. You know, in two thousand with Bush v. Gore we look at the Supreme Court essentially overthrowing an election result, which courts typically do not decide the results of an election contest. They might rule on a procedural issue, but often they don't they don't speak to the results. And so especially in 2020, we saw a lot of people looking to the courts to be savior and and to come in and to step in and to overrule um, the essentially the results. Well, now what we have, we have a lot of courts that are overruling the procedures. We see this in Wisconsin. We've seen it in Pennsylvania. Um, I believe we've even seen it in Delaware and, and Massachusetts where, you know, courts are coming forward and they're saying, well, actually, these procedures were unlawful and it is yeah. unlawful to conduct elections in this way. And so we have to look at what is the jurisdictional distinction between the state legislature, where the state legislature really should have remedies to election issues in their election code. And a lot of states don't. That's part of why we put forth the model um, election reform at, at the American Voters Alliance. Uh, but also what's the court's role when it comes to engaging in these processes and, and should they be involved in that way? So that's a that's a very fundamental question as far as how our institutions work. When it comes to Pennsylvania specifically, you know, I mentioned this before we hopped on the air, but I think personally that they are prosecuting Ozzy because it sounds like Dr. Oz. And what's Dr. Oz's stance in this really pivotal Senate race in, in uh, Pennsylvania, I almost said California, but in Pennsylvania, it is election issues, it's election integrity. And so if Ozzy, AKA a seemingly Dr. Oz has now been convicted to prison time for election fraud when the stance is election issues, that's gonna create a lot of confusion for uninformed voters. And, and of course, what's the trend that we see? We see since Obama, this push to get out the vote with uninformed voters, with low yes. interest voters. And mm. what do we see in now the election administration process through the implementation of ERIC when it comes to the voter rolls and how the voter rolls are operated, when it comes to the perceived role as the clerk, and even in HR1, it now claims that it is the federal government's responsibility to ensure that everyone is registered to vote. Well, since when has that been the federal government's responsibility? I thought we were a government of enumerated powers, yes. not laissez-faire, um, you know, whatever the political agenda is of the moment. And so we we see this, this shift that parallels in the election administration process, the uh, leftist agenda for, for campaigns. Um, one last thing on Pennsylvania, I spent a lot of time in inner city Philly in 2020, leading up to the presidential election. I was there on the ground filming, interacting with people uh, for an extended period of time. And it is well known within the city that election fraud is the lay of the land. The ward leaders will sell their wards for votes, not all, but many. Um, it, it is standard practice in Pennsylvania, well, in the Philadelphia area specifically for mm. um, not just unlawful elections, but flat out fraud. 
Oh, Jesus, Lord. Wow. Um, it, it, I just have a question uh, in, in for Jacqueline. In your research, have you found examples of the Republicans, uh, for whatever reason, maybe trying to catch up, um, <laughs> engaging in this uh, kind of fraud to, uh, like, gang, you know, we're getting... We're getting our ass kicked. Uh, you know what? What are we going to do here? We're going to have to cheat uh, in order to level the playing field. Okay, you know, in a, you know, like you say, in a laissez-faire uh, environment where, uh, you know, anything goes. Hey, if, if there's no rules, uh, why are we obeying the rules? And uh, everybody else is is uh, cheating and and getting ahead uh, because of it. So, uh, have you have you found examples of the Republicans doing similar things in? elections there's definitely a both and and i i feel like where you see that a lot is really in these larger leftist cities where people will trade votes so you know it's it's very rare to have a republican in office in in philadelphia or new york for example and so where you have that often not always but often there's been some kind of trade or deal um that's taken place that that takes the form of of you know some type of suspicious activity. So yes, it definitely takes places on both sides of the aisle. Um, it's And it's nothing new. And, the, and that's part of what's become such a struggle in the dialogue because this really has an opportunity to be such a unifying issue. Like most people want their yeah. vote to count and most people, you know, only want one of their votes to count. So it's just kind of right. like, you know, this, this really isn't, it shouldn't be such a controversial topic, except that we do have Marxism that has reared its head in America. And, and that's become the major philosophical issue. Well, you know, you know, Tim, there was, um, there was a congressional race um, in North Carolina, I believe. I can't remember what's, what, what was the main county involved, but there was a congressional race that where the results were true or not, and it was done over. Um, uh, this was about, I think about six, seven years ago, but it was in North Carolina. And it was, and to answer your question more directly, it did involve a Republican um, who was trying to, um, to win a seat in, 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 the, in, the, in, in that district. But I just can't remember what's, what was the main county involved, but it was in North Carolina that I'm sure about. Well, I was just going to suggest that possibly if if there seems to be a disparity, it might be because uh, the media tends to be more aggressive in rooting out, uh, you know, Republicans uh, uh, doing things wrong than Democrats, which uh, that brings us up to sort of our next topic. But Apparently the FBI does, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the IRS as well. And the IRS. <laughs> but uh, but uh, let, let me bring up uh, that our next uh, topic. Uh, James, maybe you could uh, bring up the, the screen for us. And, um, and, and that has to do with uh, what we all saw clearly was the, this issue with the Hunter Biden laptop scandal that happened uh, during uh, on the run up to the uh, election of 2020. And there was a, this issue where the New York Post had broken a story about 
Hunter Biden's laptop, the infamous laptop from hell, uh, which had all kinds of crazy pictures of Hunter Biden engaging in illegal drug activities. But aside from those types of issues, there were also issues of emails about business that he was conducting as well. Uh, and, and some of this may have been for his father overseas and such, you know, uh, essentially as his bag man, you know, collecting bags of money, you know, in different places around the world. He was he was the big guy, the big guy. Exactly. And, uh, you know, like uh, Politico, uh, you know, had uh, kind of a nice little graphic up here that was showing some of the troubles that was creating for his dad's administration, you know, trying to juggle all of this, uh, you know, apparent corruption. Um, but, uh, you know, the, just the idea uh, that here this laptop which was a legit laptop. Everybody admits now it was a real laptop, but Twitter and, uh, you know, uh, had Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. T -t Twitter literally uh, essentially canceled the New York Post from its uh, operations so that they couldn't show any of their stuff on, on the social media. And, uh, you know, we know now that Facebook apparently was approached by the FBI to say, hey, you're going to hear some stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all going to be uh, Russian false information, essentially. So don't, you know, you know, we advise you sort of not to print this. That's sort of a uh, a little bit of a paraphrase, but that's essentially what was happening. So we have these actual issues of election tampering that are happening by by the the media, literally going in there and deciding not just what to cover and what not to cover, but literally trying to suppress information as well. Uh, so, uh, what do you guys think about all that? Well, we have a modern nanny state. You know, look at Fauci. <laughs> Fauci suddenly gets to decide the healthcare decisions of all Americans. Thankfully, not anymore. But we're moving, we've moved to this administrative state of experts that are not held accountable by the people. And it's because the government doesn't trust us and we don't trust ourselves. You know, freedom is an inside job. We, we talk about we're losing our freedoms. That's true. That's true in an objective sense, but in a subjective sense, not in subjective as far as subjective social relativism, but subjective as in I am the subject. Freedom is an inside job. And, and I get to choose how I will respond in any and every situation. No matter what is happening, I always have a choice of what my response is. And we've lost a value for that as Americans because we've been told we get to be victims and we get to be heroes at the same time. And so when it comes to this, this disinformation or misinformation campaign on the part of the government, in collusion with big tech, it, it really is this we are going to control not only the narrative, but we are going to control this social construct and social experience because we know what you can handle. We know what you, the little guy, is able to digest and deal with. And so we're going to take care of that for you, whether it's your healthcare decisions, whether it's, you know, information so that you don't explode your little brains because you can't handle freedom. So we're going to do that for you. That's the culture that we've entered into. And that's what we're seeing oh, yeah. with with this information, disinformation, bullcrap. Yeah, gun gun laws included. And right. uh, so sp yes. speaking of these uh, these Fauci types uh, and if I'm a foreign citizen uh, or whether I'm living here as a an American citizen, either way, can I use the tagline? No regulation without representation. How's that work? <laughs> I like it. But you know, I didn't elect Fauci. No, yep. I didn't vote. Yep. No one. Yeah. 
or or the FBI or the DOJ or or any of these, you know, experts. Yes, the experts who, who's gonna guide who's gonna guide us to Utopia. You know, um, no, F, no FBI sting without representation. Okay? representation. Yeah. There you go. You know, I'm um, getting back to the the um, the Hunter Biden laptop. You know, Jacqueline, a little while ago, you spoke about in the entrenched bureaucracy, which is which is seriously on the left. You know, there were about during that whole thing about that the suppression of that of that um of that information on the laptop. There were 51 intelligent officers, and some of them were former officers, but some of them were working with the government and some of them were outside the government, but used to work with the government. 51 of them signed a letter saying that that laptop was nothing but Russian disinformation. And they knew it was not. Okay, they knew it was not because the FBI already had a laptop at the time that the New York Post broke the story. They knew it was not Russian disinformation, but yet they said that just to make sure that they swayed the election in Biden's favor. So here we have government bureaucrats interfering in the outcome of elections. Because if that information was not suppressed, I'm not sure Biden would have made it to the presidency. I'm not sure that he would have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you know, as uh, far yeah. as following he up. He would have made it knowing my friends that are voting Biden, they, they hated Trump so much. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what the election would have happened? There could have been people on the fence, or yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I'm just yeah. being. Yeah, there, there, there's no amount of evidence that can dissuade from Trump derangement. No. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter myself, but I, I didn't certainly didn't vote yeah. for Biden. I mean, I voted Libertarian. But the the issue is that the derangement we see coming from these people is just incredible. I mean, it's like whatever it is Trump does, it's bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. issue with that. He's been made into both the scapegoat and the scarecrow. And here's yeah. what I mean by that. They're like, well, election issues, what have you. Well, Trump is so evil that it justifies whatever happens. That's what we saw yeah. in the New York Times article, right? Yes. And then at the same, so they're saying, don't don't worry about it. It's it's done. It's over with. That was just to get rid of the, the mean orange guy. Now what they're saying simultaneously through the January 6th commission, through the DOJ, the FBI raids, et cetera, um, which this Mar-a-Lago raid was insane, but we predicted it long before it happened because it, it was more or less politically inevitable but that's a that's a whole nother story but what they're simultaneously saying along with trump's the scapegoat is and if you question us this is what's going to happen to you too yeah. that's how you have the eagle forum getting a subpoena a small nonprofit who stood up against transgender agenda in in public schools getting a subpoena that wants all of their communications with other nonprofits that's absolute insanity to use the administrative state these new IRS agents this heavy hand of the federal government which is by the way why DC was never supposed to be a state you know that's that's why they don't have voting rights because you have this concentration of wealth this concentration of power and then you're going to you know, reinforce that. That's why that's in place. Our founders perceived the potential for that to happen. You have this administrative state that's now the fourth branch of the government, but with no accountability. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, we're getting close to being out of time. And so I want to uh, jump to our knucklehead noise pro. But there's one thing, last thing I wanted to say about this last topic. And think about uh, how much time uh, the media spent chasing a false 
Russian narrative when we talk right. about maybe, you know, how, how uh, I guess with conservatives, the standards are a little bit different. And then we think about this laptop that was literally right there. I mean, the evidence was right there. Uh, an organization had broken the story. All you had to do is look at their evidence. And, and they every major network literally just, just uh, ghosted the story of what didn't happen, you know, until after the election and, and quite a ways after the election. Yeah. So, so I, you know, the standards in the media are clearly, uh, you know, biased. So this is, we uh, have a two tiered system in America. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Elections, citizenship, etc. We have a two tiered yeah. system. But you see, the thing, the thing that is that, that, that two tier system, uh, two tier system that you're speaking about, Jacqueline, it is leading us down a path where we have selective prosecutions. That's you know, right. you talk about the Trump raid and them the other things, selective prosecution. And on the other hand, we have we have the tolerance of lawlessness. That's right. Okay? The border is open. We see some things going on in the cities where people have been attacked and murdered and they, 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 they let, let out of prison after with all this no, with this bail reform and all these sort of things. But we have these two things going on, this elective prosecution and this tolerance of lawlessness that is leading us down a very, very dangerous path. And why do we have that? Well, who benefits from it? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Here we go. Who, who benefits is our knucklehead in chief, <laughs> Joe Biden. And that's where I want to get to our knucklehead noise patrol here at the end. And um, and so it, essentially this one I thought was kind of really tied everything together. It's it, it wasn't very recent. This is back in 2021. But back when Republicans were looking for some election reforms after in, in some red states after uh, what happened, uh, you know, that. Joe Biden getting elected in 2020 with all kinds of new uh, sort of untested election laws that were put into place all over the place. Um, uh, so Republicans were seeking just some certain things like maybe uh, restricting the amount of days possibly before or after elections in some places, asking for voter ID, some sort of common sense things you might think. Uh, and Joe Biden, uh, in response to that, and this was uh, called H.R. 1 that they were trying to get through, uh, uh, which is uh, um, uh, how of representatives uh, bill that they were trying to pass. And so uh, Joe Biden, in response to Republican efforts to put in these, these uh, kind of common sense reforms, he called that, uh, this makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of where they go. I mean, it's racist. Essentially, if you try and do anything with voting integrity, it's racist. And according to uh, Joe Biden, it's, it's so racist, it's Jim Eagle. So what do you guys think of that? <laughs> Well, you know, you know, I think we might have said this before, you know, the Democrats will really recognize this thing as Jim Crow and then it's 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 brother Jim Eager. They will they will easily recognize it, you know, and they will know for sure that it is because they're so good at it. Okay? All these Jim Crow laws that we had, you know, when black people couldn't vote and all that kind of stuff and things like that. It was the Democrats doing it. Okay? So they're very so they're very good. So maybe Biden is correct. Maybe he's correct. Maybe his, his, his brain doesn't have very much cognitive function left. Maybe he finally figured it out that really and truly our history, that's the Democrats I'm talking about, our history have been so clear and we have been so wonderful at handling our black voters. Okay? You've been so clear. He now knows for sure that this is Jimmy Eagle because his party have been instrumental in suppressing the vote of black people in this country. And now he's going to tell us now, oh, we should go along with him with this damn nonsense. 
HR1 and HR4 were absolute insanity. You know, HR1 tries to nationalize the election system, which is clearly given to the states in the U.S. Constitution. Exactly. HR4 tried to make state law subject to the DOJ before it could be changed because of potential racist um, discrimination, et cetera. But, but I do want to know, and I had to look this up. I was like, is, is this a Biden gaffe? I want to make sure that I understand this. Who is Jim Eagle? Like, is that saying that it makes it look patriotic? Is that like, does Jim Crow look patriotic and as opposed to the opposition of HR1? I was very confused by this. So I personally looked it up um, and and you have the explanation on your screen over there. It was astounding to me, but um, I personally feel sorry for the man. I have, I have pity on um, President Biden. I, I think he hung out with the wrong crowd and now he's getting used by the wrong crowd that he hung out with. And, and that's what happens. Well, Biden is not is not here. Cognitively, he's not he's here. Not. Like, seriously, he's, he's not. not. Okay. So it's, somebody it's else, tragic. somebody else is, is is the president of the United States. Somebody in the background. I don't know who it is, but somebody in the background. No, yeah. this issue about Jim Crow versus Jim Eagle. I mean, I didn't I didn't read your article yet, so I'm sure there's probably a different explanation. But no, it, was, the, it was it's a it's a farce. There there is no explanation. It was, it was a death. <laughs> because the explanation the explanation that this journalist says is well. A crow is a small bird, an eagle is a large bird. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Larger. But his comparison is that it makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. And yeah. so then that would mean that this is a small thing in comparison to the other thing. So it doesn't even follow logically how they explain this gap. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed the article. I thought it was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 the ultimate absurdity, too, is that he was calling things Jim eagle apparently that uh, democrat states are doing too (laughs) i mean they're literally some democrat states they have restrictions on the amount of time that you can you know uh vote ahead of an election or you know uh uh, you know some of these uh voter uh, you know id uh laws as well so this is just insanity uh you know but yeah yeah. well well, this is so insane jason you want to know how insane this is the georgia law that they were arguing about that georgia law is less restrictive than the laws that Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, <laughs> that they have in place right now. Yeah. I saw what uh, this is. Yeah. And of course, we wouldn't expect Joe Biden to know that. <laughs> like we don't expect him to know much of anything, apparently. <laughs> but uh, but that's just about the end of our show. And let me bring up real quick, because uh, we had a, uh, um, Jacqueline was our guest today, and her organization is uh, American Voters Alliance. And so did you want to say anything quick about that before we leave the show? Yeah, I mean... The, the first thing to do is get informed. So sign up for our newsletter. You can just go to protectyourvote.org. It's a forwarding address, but protectyourvote.org. Um, Protect Your Vote is also our social media, especially on, on Instagram. So we have a lot of informative content on Instagram. Of course, most of it is shadow ban. I've seen things actually just like drop off Instagram like while I'm posting it with no explanation. So, um, but we do have information there. If you want to get involved, we do have a number of campaigns and initiatives that we're launching all the time. Um, They are geographically specific because elections and election law, all of it changes county to county. So um, we work to be very specific to your municipality. So connect with us and we'd love to get you plugged in, get you involved. 
Awesome. And and uh, if you're uh, watching this uh, podcast and you're interested in hearing more, uh, we also in, uh, interviewed Jacqueline in a recent uh, uh, podcast as well, where we talked specifically about her organization for a half hour. So you can get a lot more detailed information from that as well. Uh, so thanks, everybody, again, for joining in. And until next week, uh, stay free. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, always and forever. Thank you for listening to the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Find us on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, your favorite podcast network, and at knuckleheadsofliberty.com.